Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Dr. Rick Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions. So give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Jill Cruz, ready to answer your medical questions. Dr. Cruz's specialty is family medicine. She works with the Brookings Health System and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Cruz. Good morning. It's thank, good to be here as always. Thank you for being here. It mm-hmm. feels like it's been a little while it, since we had been. you. A lot's happened <laughs> since then. A lot has happened. Um, yeah. Holidays and all, all, the, all the things in the world. But good to be with you today and look mm-hmm. forward to hearing you answer some questions today. Uh, I know our Prairie Doc topic this week is rheumatology. So if listeners have questions about rheumatology or any other questions, give us a call 605-692-1430. Dr. Cruz, you transitioned to being a hospitalist with Brookings Health System a few months ago and you're I'm sure slowly settling into that role. How is that going? Uh, yes, definitely. It it uh, was a transition I made back in October, and not really a new thing for me. I'd actually been doing hospitalist work on weekends and kind of filling in as needed for the prior about year, year and a half. So kind of when COVID started, I kind of jumped back into doing more hospital medicine. But now, yeah, making it my full-time gig rather mm-hmm. than... Um, kind of a a part-time fill-in here and there. So it definitely has been a busy month, and I don't know uh, too many doctors that go from clinic to hospital during a pandemic, but here I am doing that. And uh, But it has been a good transition Mm -hmm. uh, for me and and my family with the different schedule. Yeah, excellent. Very good. What, um, as someone who's working in the hospital now, what what do you want the public to know? What do we need to know um, as as you get that inside view of what's going on in the hospital right now? Yes, well, things are still really busy. Mm-hmm. We have r- not really had a slowdown at all. I mean, since the summer when COVID was peaking, you know, August, it really hasn't slowed down since then. Mm-hmm. For as far as the number of patients we have admitted, a uh, number of COVID patients that we've had, it feels like for every discharge, there's at least an equal number of admits, if not more. And the problem is now we're getting staff out with COVID, even those that have had their vaccines. Um, so we've got staff that are out sick. We've had staff that have, you know, quit due to different rules, mandates, or just being burned out and said, you know what, I can't do this anymore. I will do any job but medicine. Mm -hmm. So now on top of more people, sicker people, and kind of this continued um, status quo of having several COVID patients admitted, now we're shorter on staff when there was already a nursing shortage. Mm -hmm. And now you compound it. So really people are, we've, we've kind of been living in crisis mode for uh, almost two years now, mm-hmm. and it's it's definitely um, starting to wear thin on morale because people are like, I don't know how much longer I can do this, and mm-hmm. you you see it, mm-hmm. and we're all frustrated because we're spread thin. We've been doing this for a long time, and we're frustrated when we can't give the level of attention and the level of care that we want to for a patient because 
you know, a lot of times we can't transfer people down to Sioux Falls because they are equally full and short-staffed. Um, so anytime I've wanted to transfer someone down to Sioux Falls to get a higher level of care, it has taken three days minimum mm -hmm. to get them down there. Wow. Yes. Mm -hmm. And the people that are in the hospital without COVID mm -hmm. are sicker than I have ever seen in my 15 years of mm -hmm. medicine. Mm -hmm. I've never seen this many people this sick with mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. So kind of that, that whole year of 2020 when people weren't coming into the doctor, it's catching up to us now. Mm -hmm. And so the people with heart failure, it's worse. The people with diabetes that's flaring up is worse. Everyone's sicker than anyone i've talked to lots of docs and, and nurses than anyone of us can ever remember in our career mm -hmm. yeah i've been thinking a lot about our healthcare workers and you know being married to a physician i get to see some of that as well in a more personal way but yes you guys all have been all in for quite a while and yeah thinking about those nurses and those people staying with those patients bedside overnight and trying to figure things out and um, it's been it's been a long run here, yeah, mm -hmm. and it's not letting up right now. That's for sure. Yeah, as we have what the highest number of COVID cases we've seen yet, mm -hmm. active cases. Yeah, well, my husband's an ER nurse, and he says it's unusual to see someone in the ER now that doesn't have COVID. He's like, I haven't helped with a laceration in forever. Mm. It's like we're not seeing the broken arms or the lacerations or the the quote unquote easy stuff now. Uh, it's all COVID. Every patient that's coming in is COVID, 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 COVID. Mm -hmm. And it's just exhausting. Right. Right. And so for all of us who want to avoid the hospital, um, what, what are you recommending? Are we seeing that the vaccinations are preventing serious illness? Yes. Okay. So um, the people that I've admitted are, I would say, a vast, vast, vast majority unvaccinated. The ones that are vaccinated that I admit have some immunosuppression or they're quite elderly or they didn't get their booster. Okay. Those are kind of, those are the vaccinated people I'm seeing where there's some other um, confounding variable that is keeping them from getting the full benefit from the vaccine. And actually the vaccinated people are getting out a lot faster. So the thing people don't realize with COVID is once you're admitted to the hospital, your average stay is two to three weeks. Oh my goodness. Where the average stay for most other hospital patients, four to five days. Oh, I haven't so, realized that. So COVID patients, I, I tell them, they're like, so when do I get to go home? I was like, well, uh, this is going to be a marathon. This is not a sprint. It takes, and that's the other kind of strain on the resources is we know that these people are not going to get better quickly. We're going mm -hmm. to keep them here for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so if you're number of patients is increased but also the length of their stay is increased you are certainly more busy and and fewer yeah. beds to right mm -hmm. and we're still you know when this all started you know everything stopped with elective surgeries we're still doing you know it, it's still kind of business as usual on the other end we're still mm -hmm. having people come in to have their same day surgery so that takes up a bed for a while right. so it really does put a, a strain on our resources because we're trying to do everything like it's normal and not change, you know, the quality of care that everyone's used to. And yet there's a big difference in what we're having to do with our resources uh, because we have this added strain. Right. Well, it's time for us to go to our first break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on 
KBRK and on our podcast. If you have a question you'd like Dr. Cruz to address this morning, give us a call at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Tobacco can lead to tobacco, nicotine dependence, and serious health problems. Quitting smoking has immediate as well as long-term benefits for you and your loved ones. Make the decision to be smoke-free. Stopping smoking is associated with many health benefits. If you smoke, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. That's 784-8669. Or call the Avera Medical Group Brookings for help to quit smoking today, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. Dr. Cruz, we've recently had some adjustments from the CDC uh, regarding isolation and quarantine guidance, and I feel like we're all kind of settling settling into that now. I feel like at first we were like, wait, what? Um, yes. But we're all kind of settling into that now, and just yesterday... Uh, those of us with kids in the school district got an email with the updated guidance from the school district, which I understand follows that CDC guidance as well. So as we're all settling into that and maybe getting some of those calls from the school district, letting us know that our kids have been in close contact or um, if someone you work with is in, you get that notice that you've had a close contact. Can we just walk through that so that we all... um, can just get that into our heads how this is all working now. Yes, because there is a lot of if-then statements in this whole process. Yes. So it really depends on your specific case, and then you have to make lots of decisions, and there's lots of ors and ands and buts uh, in the... Um, so I would say the first place to start is if you test positive for COVID, what do you do? And, you know, when we started out, it used to be a really extended time that they wanted you to stay home. Now they have shortened it to five days with the caveat that you are feeling better at the end of those five days. So if you're still miserable, having a fever, hacking up a lung and don't feel better at the end of the five days, stay home for the following 10, you know, stay Mm -hmm. home for 10 days or until you are feeling better for at least 24 hours. So it. It's trying kind of a one-size-fits-all with adjustments to make it fit your particular um, setting. But for the people that are having the very mild asymptomatic, hey, I tested positive and I did it because I was an exposure or, but I feel fine. Yeah, let's, let's get you back to activities after five days, but wearing a mask when you're around other people for the following five days. So 10 days of changing kind of how you behave, five isolated at home, and then five wearing a mask around others. Okay. So like I said, if you're still feeling crummy, don't say five days is magic and I get I get out of here. It's mm-hmm. five days feeling better or until you're feeling better. Okay. Yep. That is, yes, that is nice to have that a little bit shorter, you know, that original, I think we, you know, we started with a really long time. So it's nice um, 
Mm -hmm. You don't have to pause your life for quite so long. Exactly. Now. Especially for the people who have been vaccinated and have those milder cases or those people with the asymptomatic cases. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, if, it's really hard to sit at home for 10 days when you feel fine. Right. And, and there have been people with COVID that have been in that end of the spectrum where it is minimal and it's no big deal. And then there's the other people who are in the hospital on a ventilator. So, you know, this has such a wide range. It's hard to give a one size fits all answer for this. So I think this was kind of the CDC's way of saying, okay, if you've got the mild, not so terrible version of it, can we get you back safely around other people? And um, by shortening that stay to five days and then five days uh, additionally of wearing masks after you leave your house is, is a way to do that. So if you're around other people, wear a mask so you don't expose them because there could potentially be some virus shedding. But, you know, it's okay to leave your house with a mask on after you've done that first five day of isolation. Okay, great. All right, so that's if we have tested positive, positive for COVID. All right, so now if we are a close contact, if we are exposed to someone with COVID, yes. what is the recommendation? All right, so again, this all depends on have you been vaccinated or not? Okay. Um, so if you have had your vaccine within the last six months uh, for the Pfizer and Moderna or the Johnson & Johnson if it's been in the last two months because that one seems to wear off a lot quicker. Okay. Or if you've had your booster, uh, which you can get after six months of mm -hmm. from the Pfizer or Moderna or a month after or two months, I think, after getting the Johnson & Johnson. So if you've had your vaccines, you've had your boosters. Um, you're all up to date. You're all up to date. Okay. You are good. Wear a mask around people for 10 days. Test on day five if you can, kind of for kind of reassurance to make sure that you're not one of those asymptomatic people. If you get symptoms, you start feeling worse day five, day six, day three, day one, you know, anywhere in that 10 day period, you start feeling symptoms, get tested to see if you have converted because this uh, variant seems to be really easily spread to people. And we're finding four or five days, people are after an exposure, people are usually starting to feel symptoms. So um, the other uh, caveat of that is if you had tested positive for COVID within the last 90 days, we suspect that you would still probably have some antibodies for that. So you would be another one that mask for 10 days and then test on day five if you can. And then again, if you develop any symptoms at any point, get tested and see if you end up in the isolation group. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the important thing is, um, as I, as I absorb this information is that we have some protection if we're fully vaccinated, mm -hmm. but we should still wear a mask for that 10 days right. as we go out. We um, fortunately can go out and yes. we can go to school, we can go to work, we can do what we need to do, but be aware that you've had an exposure and could possibly be spreading it. Mm -hmm. So you want to be wearing a mask and taking those extra precautions when you're out for exactly. those 10 days. Exactly, so okay. if you are unvaccinated, it's been over that two months for the Johnson and Johnson and you didn't have the booster or it's been over the six months with that Pfizer and Moderna and you have not been boosted. Then we want you to quarantine at home for five days and then wear a mask for additional five. So, so basically we're treating you just like someone who has tested positive. Okay. So um, they're being a lot, again, a little bit stricter with this. Um, they're saying if you absolutely cannot quarantine, then you absolutely have to wear a mask for 10 days. And again, testing on day five, because that's about when we're seeing between exposure and first symptoms, we're finding usually within five days, we're getting those. Okay. All right. So if you have not been vaccinated and you mm -hmm. um, get the call that you're a close contact or you find out you are, um, then you are being asked to quarantine right. for five days. 
and then um, wear a mask for the next five days if you have not um, exactly. experienced symptoms. Yep. Okay. Got it. All right. So that's the update. Hopefully that's clear to all of us. Uh, I we'll know. <laughs> it is. It's such a flow sheet where you have to figure out, okay, what is mm -hmm. my specific situation and where do I fit on this? And if you have questions, you know, call your doctor. We can help you kind of understand, get a little bit more information and see what your particular situation is and help guide you. Okay. Perfect. And uh, is it still okay to go out and get a vaccine now? Go out and get your booster now? Please do. Okay. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely get your vaccine, get your booster. That's the best thing you can do to protect yourself from needing to stay at home for five days after an exposure. Right, yeah. We we got a call for one of our kiddos that they were a close contact at school, and um, it was just so, uh, just uh, a relief to know that they had their vaccines mm -hmm. uh, and will wear a mask at school and yep. take those precautions to protect others but to not have to miss school because uh, we've had to do that a couple times yes. is is great to be able to have that protection of the vaccine. So um, thankful for that. Yes. And uh, hopefully many of us out there, um, most of us hopefully already have our vaccines, but if not, go and get that so you have that protection for yourself and your family and others. Yes, because, you know, my husband and I, we both had our primary series. We've both been boosted. Our kids have had their primary series. So, you know, I, I won't give it to my family. I won't tell my parents to get it. I won't take it myself. I definitely won't give it to my children if I didn't think it was safe and mm -hmm. effective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, it's time for us to go to our next break. If anyone has questions about any of this, or I think after our break, we will dive into our topic of the week, which is rheumatology and autoimmune conditions. Uh, if you have questions about any of those things, give us a call at 605-692-1400. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Frostbite is a type of injury caused by freezing. It leads to a loss of feeling and color in the areas it affects, usually extremities, such as the nose, ears, cheeks, chin, fingers, and toes. Frostbite can permanently damage the body, and severe cases can lead to amputation. Frostbite should be checked by a health care provider. Call 697-9500 to see your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz is here answering our medical questions. If you have a question, give us a call at 605-692-1430. Dr. Cruz gave us a great update on what it's like to be practicing medicine at the hospital right now and um, an update on our isolation and quarantine guidance. So thank you for those updates, Dr. Cruz. And we're gonna transition now to our Prairie Doc show and television topic for this week. Tell us about the show you have planned for tomorrow night. So we are talking about rheumatology and uh, especially trying to focus in a little bit on autoimmune diseases. Uh, one of the docs we have coming in remotely, she is a specialist in fibromyalgia, oh. which is a highly misunderstood and uh, difficult to treat condition that affects people, causes kind of lots of chronic unexplained pain and uh, joint issues and can be incredibly debilitating. So I'm really excited to hear what she has to say to kind of educate um, she really specializes in working with patients to kind of help control their pain and um, functionality. So I am excited about this show. 
Um, we're going to talk a little bit about like rheumatoid arthritis, talk about uh, lupus, um, Sjogren's syndrome. So I am intimately familiar with lupus uh, because that's something that my mother was diagnosed with when I was, I think, around 10 or 11. Mm. So it's something I've kind of lived with most of my life, mm -hmm. uh, seeing her go through that. And uh, it's definitely a challenging uh, condition to treat. And my first time shadowing was actually with her rheumatologist uh, oh. when I was in high school. So... So that was your one uh, of your introductions that was to med medicine. one of my introductions yeah. to medicine. Yes. Yeah, and seeing how your mom did. Your mom um, find relief uh, once it was diagnosed. Was she <laughs> able to find some things that worked for her? Yes. Um, she went through lots of different treatments. Um, she was actually on high dose prednisone for I think over a year, and that ended up uh, causing some sequelae and and problems down the road with osteoporosis and uh, weakened tendons. She actually had an Achilles tendon rupture. Um, which then led to extended period of casting, which led to blood clots, which oh boy. led in her legs, which led to blood clots in her lungs. And oh. lupus also makes you hypercoagulable, so it's easier to get blood clots. So she's had subsequent blood clots since that time, and she's on lifelong anticoagulation because of that. So she had that. Um, the prednisone helped some, but it, it's very hard on the body, and uh, body's not designed to be on high doses for extended periods of time. Um, but what actually did help, she was in a clinical trial for a, a medication called Cytoxin, which is a chemotherapy drug. And she actually went into um, sustained remission and has been oh. in remission for about, I think, about 30 years. Oh, my 30 goodness. 30 years now. So, yeah, it, it's actually quite amazing. She's in like that 7% that go into sustained remission. Okay. Um, the other, the next person that they tried with this medication went into immediate kidney failure and ended up on dialysis. So mm. it, it's not the standard of care, but she got incredibly lucky. Um, yeah. With so is that treatment, is that so. drug still being studied for? Uh, I don't think they're they studying it anymore. Okay. I definitely, I know it's definitely not a, a mainstay treatment. It, yeah. She was one of the lucky ones it worked for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not, um, they're still kind of using immunosuppressive medications to manage this um, and hope that you go into a sustained remission. Some people will go into remissions and then flares. Mm. Um, and she went through several um, remission and flare cycles before she hit her final um, sustained remission. And, you know, it, it's wonderful that she's been this good for this long, but it's kind of always in the back of your mind, when is that next flare going to happen? Mm -hmm. And is it going to happen? So mm -hmm. it has been... Uh, something interesting to grow up with. Yeah. Uh, maybe we should take a step back. What is lupus? So lupus is an autoimmune disease where the body attacks itself. So it can attack any joint, any organ, any tissue. So there's a version of lupus that just affects the skin and can cause kind of this uh, butterfly rash across the face. Um, but the one that affects my mom, that uh, she has SLE, systemic lupus erythematosus, that one affects the joints. So it affected her kidneys. It's affected her heart. It's affected her joints. She had extreme fatigue. I remember one summer, she just didn't get out of bed. Mm. And, um, you know, it would be like several, we were on vacation up in uh, Minnesota, and she just, like, shooed me out of the, the camper and told me to go play. And I don't think she ever got out of bed. And Aww. it got to the point where... Um, my dad and my uncle said, you have to get out of bed or we're taking you to the hospital now. Mm -hmm. And she drug herself out of bed to sit at the dinner table and then went straight back to bed. And, you know, as soon as we got back from that vacation, she was admitted to the hospital. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it just, 
And, you know, I'm a 10-year-old. I'm running around, and I'm fishing, and I'm swimming, and I'm playing with my cousins, and we're having a great time because yeah. it was a whole extended family mm. uh, where we kind of bought out this whole resort in Minnesota. And, you know, I was totally oblivious to how sick she was. Yeah. And she's trying to put on this brave face as a mom, yeah. minimizing her symptoms, hiding it. Um, you know, there's a lot of times where yeah, I, I was sent over to the friend's house to play because she just couldn't physically get out of bed, mm. or she would have a terrible debilitating migraine that she just she couldn't deal with any noise in the house any light in the house so you know thank goodness for the neighbors they were very they kind of uh, took care of me when she wasn't able mm-hmm. to take care of herself let alone anyone else mm-hmm. you mentioned in your essay this week that it's very difficult to diagnose it this. is it's a ridiculously difficult um, condition to diagnose because the symptoms are so vague mm-hmm. and they overlap with about a hundred other conditions. Um, she was actually misdiagnosed with, diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis for about five years. Okay. And they were treating her for that, and it kind of worked because some of the medications, again, immunosuppressives are kind of similar, mm-hmm. uh, and treatments are similar between the two diseases. But you know, it wasn't just it wasn't quite right. And then um, you know, and some of the tests for rheumatoid arthritis and lupus are similar because we're looking for autoimmune uh, disorders. So. There's basically kind of a criteria of 10 things. And if you have four or more of those, you probably have lupus. So it's not a clear cut, yep, you take this lab test or you do this x-ray or we do this biopsy and yep, you've got it. It's, you take all of these clues. You have to be a detective to diagnosis. So you have to take all the clues, line up all the usual suspects and kind of rule them out one by one until you're left with lupus. It's, it's mm-hmm. almost what we call a diagnosis of exclusion oh, where okay. you've tested for everything else and this is kind of what's left. Mm-hmm. And if I remember right, in your essay, you mentioned common among young women. Very common um, among women of childbearing years. So between okay. the ages of 14 and 40, um, it's very common, especially in women of color. Um, so uh, African-American, Hispanic, um, those are at much higher rates of getting this. Uh, rarely affects men, but it can. Um, so it definitely, and when the symptoms are so vague, it's I'm just tired all the time. Mm-hmm. My joints hurt. Everything hurts. Um, and then you, doctors are doing all these blood tests. And they're like, well, there's nothing wrong with you. It, it can be very frustrating for the patient. It can be very frustrating for the doctors saying, I don't know why you feel terrible. Mm-hmm. There's no good answer for this. So you have to get the right doctor doing the right test, looking at the right set of symptoms during the right time. Because, you know, if you're in a remission, everything's going to look fine. You're going to feel fine. So it's really tricky um, because you've got to get it. Do the test kind when you're in the flare. When you're in the flare to see the body attacking things. Because if you're in remission, nothing's happening. Nothing's being attacked. Life is good. And how much time is a flare usually? Are we talking like a couple days or month? Or? We could talk days, weeks, months, okay. years. Okay. All I right. mean, it really, mm-hmm. there's no rhyme or reason to why it happens. And we really don't have a good idea as to what causes this in the first place. Um, we think there is some genetic component. Um, actually, kind of looking back, doing a little um, medical archaeology in my family history, yeah. we think that my mother's uh, grandmother Mm-hmm. had lupus and okay. because my mom said yep she was tired all the time she complained of everything hurting and she died in her 40s oh of some unknown condition right. so and at that time there would have been no way to diagnose this sure so you know it it does seem to kind of skip generations uh, my 
Um, so it was her dad's mother who we think had okay. this. Her dad had um, diabetes, which is, again, an endocrine uh, right. kind of issue with some autoimmune um, components to that. And then my mom ended up with lupus. And, and yeah, so we're kind of looking. When I was 15 and I got that butterfly rash on my cheeks, all of a sudden I was freaking out. I'm like, oh, my gosh, do I have lupus, too? Am I going to die? Mm-hmm. Um, what's what's going to happen here? So I went to the dermatologist. You know, they did biopsies. They tried creams. They did all the blood tests. They checked my thyroid. Um, and thankfully, everything turned out. I was just a teenager. Just a teenager. <laughs> just a teenager. <laughs> It's which all okay. Not, which is not easy. <laughs> which is not easy. But thankfully, it, it was not lupus. But I was really worried there for a couple right. months, thinking, oh, my gosh, am I going to be just like my mom? Right, right. Well, it's time for us to go to our final break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio this morning on KBRK and on our podcast. If you have a question, you can give us a call at 605-692-1430. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Influenza has made its appearance. If you have not received a flu shot, get one now. Symptoms of influenza are fever, fatigue, cough, runny nose, body aches, and decreased appetite. Generally, influenza makes you feel much worse than the common cold. If you have questions about influenza, call your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz is here answering our medical questions this morning. Uh, we've covered a variety of topics, including COVID-19 and some on rheumatology and autoimmune conditions, which are the topics that we're going to hear more about on the television program tomorrow night. Dr. Cruz, maybe we could just combine these a little bit. You know, we hear about COVID-19 being especially hard on people with autoimmune diseases. Could you explain that to us and how that works? So a lot of people with these autoimmune diseases, we have to place on immunosuppressive medications. So we suppress their immune system, kind of damp it down. That means when we give them a vaccine, their immune system isn't as responsive to it. So they don't make as many antibodies to it because we have literally told the immune system, stand down, don't do anything. Mm. We we don't want you to react to anything foreign that you see because you think that you are foreign. So by suppressing that, the vaccine isn't as effective in these people and they end up uh, not getting as much benefit from it. Got it. And so if I remember right, did I hear, I haven't followed that closely, but do they even have additional vaccines or additional boosters or not at this time? Um, so they are doing the, bo- they were talking about doing a third dose okay. and then boosting on top of that. So. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So they had kind of a different protocol right. then to help their systems mm-hmm. try to fight right. um, COVID-19. Yep. So the, the third dose was coming out at the same time we were talking about doing boosters. So it got very confusing. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that clarification. Got it. Well, we'll look forward to learning a lot more about that and, um, I know you mentioned fibromyalgia earlier. Mm-hmm. I know a couple people who've had to deal with that. So I'll look forward to learning more about that on the television program as well. So before we go, please be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. Tomorrow, January 13th, Prairie Doc host Jill Cruz, along with Dr. Mark Tursell from Avera Rheumatology in Sioux Falls and Dr. Martina Lenartova from Cape Cod Rheumatology Center in Massachusetts, will answer viewer questions about rheumatological conditions. So tune in this Thursday at 7 p.m. Central on South Dakota Public Broadcasting or on the Prairie Doc Facebook page. 
We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and we'll listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube. For free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library, visit www.prairiedoc.org and look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Jill Cruz for joining us today. And as Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there, people.